1: On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD 2.
2: President Trump's Senate impeachment trial finds scant precedent in history. We're going to dive into the legalities of what needs to happen for that trial to get kick started. Does Leader McConnell have to wait for Speaker Pelosi to deliver the articles of impeachment or not? Meanwhile, one Republican senator is quote unquote disturbed by Leader McConnell's impeachment remarks. Does that mean that Republicans are starting to break away, at least on the process? We'll dive into Senator Lisa Murkowski's remarks. We've got two new panelists, their debut on the Bloomberg Radio Sound On program, Lester Munson is a principal at the government relations firm, BGR Group, and an adjunct faculty member at Johns Hopkins University. You've also got deep experience on Capitol Hill. You were previously the chief of staff to Senator Mark Kirk a Republican from Illinois you also during the Bush administration served as the deputy assistant administrator at the US Agency for International Development USAID and you focused on legislative affairs global health issues and 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 you know there's never enough time but you you led the legislative efforts to develop and implement former president Bush's PEPFAR which of course is the Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief exactly. in Africa and I know you and I used to talk uh, when you you were on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee with Senator Corker.
4: Correct. So you're you're a man about town. I've been here a long time.
2: And so <laughs> do you? Does that make you a Washington Redskins fan, or are you still?
4: I am a Nationals fan. Okay. But not a Redskins fan.
2: All right. So who's your team?
4: Uh, the Chicago Bears.
2: All right. So there's yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jeff, tough times. And Charles Ellison. Charles Ellison is a Philly guy, but did yes, you? But so. you're not based in Philly. Not based
3: in Philly. I do a lot of back and forth between D.C. and Philly, though.
2: So you're a political analyst. I always see you on on TV. You've got your own show on Sirius XM, and you are a contributor to Uptown Magazine and the Washington correspondent for the Philadelphia Tribune. So
3: All old. All outdated. Let me just correct you. Really oh, I quickly. apologize. <laughs> no, sorry. Right. So I'm. I My got, bad. No, that's all right. No, I was on serious like, so. Yeah. Actually, now I'm on a Philadelphia radio station called WURD. I'm on Who daily. does not
2: I had that in front of right, me. Sorry, I read right. your old bio. I had your
3: new bio.
2: <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm still in that's a right. sugar. <laughs> A sugar daze from all of the Italian hard rock cookies I ate on Christmas. It's all good, Kevin. And pit All right, so impeachment. I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. I've talked more today about Senator Lisa Murkowski. Did you see this? Senator Lisa Murkowski, a a Republican from Alaska, speaking to KTUU, the NBC affiliate, Mm -hmm. just a few days ago. And she was asked about how she feels Leader McConnell, Leader McConnell is doing with regards to impeachment. And she says that she's got some concerns. And if, if, if we had that sound bite, if we could play what Senator Murkowski had to say, let's take a listen to Senator Murkowski.
0: And in fairness, when I heard that, I was disturbed. To me, it means that we have to take that step back from being hand in glove with the defense. And so I, I, I heard what uh, Leader McConnell had said, uh, I happen to think that that has further confused the process.
2: She's saying, Lester, that it's confused the process, that Leader McConnell has come out and said that they've worked so closely with the White House. She's not saying she thinks the President Trump should be convicted. That's a right. very different argument. But what she's saying is that the, the rules package, which only, by the way, needs a majority vote in the Senate, and they've got to get some bill through that sets the rules for this Senate impeachment trial. She's saying she's got issues with that. Is Leader McConnell going to have to listen to her?
4: Well, that remains to be seen, whether she can get anyone to vote against this rules package or if even she herself will vote against it. But I think she's not wrong. Senator McConnell, who is normally very adept at these things, I think kind of made a mistake when he said, we're working hand in glove with the White House counsel's office on everything that's going on here. Uh, and that it calls into question the objectivity of the Senate. So she's not wrong, uh, and I think if they follow her advice and then they vote not to convict him, it'll be a more credible vote.
2: I come in here in terms of, uh, Charles, where this stands and whether or not this puts pressure on mm-hmm. Leader McConnell to maybe bend just a little mm-hmm. to what Speaker Pelosi has been saying, which is they want, I, I don't think he's going to cave and give him Bolton and Mulvaney mm-hmm. to testify,
3: but they want something. Yeah, the key word here is little. Um, I think it puts a little pressure, not a whole lot. You know, Lisa Mikowski is not definitely a fan of Senate Republican leadership. And Senate Republican leadership, they're really the Senate Republican caucus, the rank and file. They've never really been a big fan of Lisa Murkowski. We remember like that last cycle where she had to do a write-in campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually won it with a name like Murkowski. But um, <laughs> it, it's it's significant, right, that you have someone like Senator Mikowski because she has that reputation for being that person when— When Lisa says something, because normally, you know, she kind of keeps her head sort of dug in. She does the work, the business of the Senate representing Alaska. But when Lisa says something, you listen. And you have to. I mean, she
2: was one of the only, I believe, one of the only Republicans who opposed Justice Kavanaugh on that confirmation. So I'm curious to see whether or not Senator Susan Collins in the coming days makes similar remarks in terms of uh, moving Moving Leader McConnell on the issue of these rules for the Senate impeachment trial, Senator Mitt Romney, Cory Gardner, some of these other Republicans. And I I, I think, and this is where I'm I'm curious for both of your takes, what Senator Murkowski did was lay a ground marker on where, quote unquote, opposition is right now in the Republican Party. Again, she didn't come out and say she thinks President Trump should be convicted. She said she wants a fair trial with rules. And that nuance is incredibly important. Tell us why, Lester.
4: Well, in order for the Senate to convict the president on the impeachment charges, they need 67 votes, which means you've basically got to get about 20 Republicans to vote to convict the president on one of the two charges. That is very, very unlikely to happen. So we're not—we're really not talking about the president being removed from office. We're talking about the way the Senate presents itself. We're talking about the the race uh, in November of next year to see who controls the Senate for the next Congress for the 117th. And it's a, it's kind of a toss-up right now. The Democrats have a pretty good shot at taking over from Republicans. Murkowski's concerned. Other. Uh, senators like uh, Susan Collins, who's up for re-election, is concerned. They're they're in tough races. And they're, the things that they say now on this very hot topic are going to be directly related to their re-election.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the political implications for 2020 are huge. And so it's all about appearances. It's all about optics. And so definitely we're not going to have a situation here where 20 Republicans are suddenly going to cross over to the other side and vote for a conviction. But they at least want to seem as if they're conducting something that's, that's fair and Impartial here, as their Senate oath dictates. The Senate impeachment oath, which has been around since the 19th century, dictates that hey, you've got to do this impartially, right? This is what the Constitution dictates. They understand the public's watching that very carefully and closely, which which leads us to to believe that Pelosi made a very good play here because it puts it, it, it really blows up the spot of Republicans, it of Senate Republicans, if they go all along with coordinating so closely with the White House. Uh, you could have a lot of independents who could but, say, "Hey, I don't want this kind of sense." You know,
2: and maybe I'm just maybe I'm maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I'm jaded. I'm just kidding. I'm an optimist. But, but. You know, so Democrats are saying Republicans are, are working in lockstep with the White House. The Republicans are admitting as much. But the Democrats were working cohesively with each other in, in the House. I mean it's, it's not like one – either side has a monopoly of not working with their with their respective leaders. Meanwhile, I mean they didn't let Hunter Biden testify in the House. And, uh, you know, to so Leader McConnell's – I mean he's not – He's not letting anymore anyone else testify. Meanwhile, President Trump was talking about the impeachment issue at his private club in Palm Beach, Florida, Mar-a-Lago, down the Lago. I hear it's beautiful down there. My friends that are down there covering this, they're like, ah, you know, rough other places you could be. There are worse assignments to have than having to be down in Palm Beach. Take a listen to President Trump. Here he is. We're
0: in a very good position.
2: Uh, ultimately, that decision is going to be made by Mitch McConnell. And he will make it. He has the right to do whatever he wants. He's the head of the Senate. People remember they treated us very unfairly. They didn't give us due process. They didn't give us a lawyer. They didn't give us anything. Now they come to the Senate and they want everything. I mean, I I, I just think, you know, you're heading into January. They're is impetus to get this thing done the day after the iowa caucus president trump's going to deliver a state of the union address it could be in the middle of the trial it could be right after he is acquitted it you know who knows so a lot more fireworks never a dull moment some fireworks and tweets all we have are tweets and taxes and death (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, a it, modern take on Ben Franklin. It's it, it's, tra-
4: it's changed, hasn't it? Pelosi originally didn't want to impeach the president at all. Then she wanted to do it very quickly, yeah. and now she's kind of slowing it down. And I do think it's a smart mm-hmm. move because she's kind of grabbed the reins of this process. But it's it's very different than it was six weeks ago. And you're you're looking at the Iowa caucuses on February third. I think it is. It's four, five, five, six weeks away. They're coming up, and we've still got this big impeachment battle brewing, and it's it's all mm. kind of coming to a head.
2: You know, I was back in Delco for the, for Christmas, and I, and I got to be honest. I mean, it's a, it's a divisive issue to talk about impeachment in terms of where everybody is, but no one's voting on it. I mean, it, it, you know, you go to these battleground districts, you go mm. to these to these independent parts of the country, and I think it's a risk. I. I, you know, for both President Trump and Speaker Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi from the down ballot race perspective, President Trump from the presidential perspective. You
3: know, she's I, I think she's keeping that in mind that that, you know, right now what's on voters mind are front and center are the kitchen table issues, right, right. quality of life issues. But, you know, she's thinking a little bit tactically here. She's thinking about the primary ways to keep the Democratic electorate uh engaged, uh keep them activated throughout the primaries, also giving them a little bit as they head into the general election phase by drawing this out as long as possible. And two, uh I think it's it's a bit of a psychological move. Uh the, the taint of impeachment is something that that really irritates Trump. It's getting under his skin uh also to, to be able to show uh hey, we as Democrats, we can't be pushed around. You know, right. And so and I think that Republicans, particularly Senate Republicans like Mitch McConnell, right. have always pushed Democrats around. Coming
2: up, we're going to pivot to policy. Panel stays Lester Munson, Charlie Charles Ellison. Apologize again. Just butchering your name, your title. Uh, Lester, you were at Pet Bar. Did you ever meet Bono?
4: I did meet Bono. I had lunch with Bono. That's he, awesome. Uh, he, lunch with Bono. He has an iron butt. He can sit there through a <laughs> two-hour-long meeting. And talk to people in a smart way and persuade right. them. He's a very impressive guy.
2: You know why? Because he's Bono.
4: He's Bono. He's uh, a miracle. He's wonder. the theme song yep. right. to
2: this show. They let me pick the theme song. That's awesome. the best album in the history of music. All that you can't leave behind. Download the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cerilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg. 991
1: you You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli On Bloomberg 991 And 105.7 FM HD2
3: We're now getting along
2: Very well with China and trade In fact they just took tariffs of more than 800 products where they were charging us tariffs, and now those tariffs are gone. No more tariffs. That was President Trump speaking the other day down at the Lago, Mar-a-Lago, where he spent the holiday with regards to tariffs on China. Meanwhile, uh, just earlier this week before the holiday, we were discussing about how North Korea, Mm -hmm. North Korea, Kim Jong-un, dictator Kim Jong-un had promised some type of quote-unquote gift And no word, no word on what it is going to be. And the holiday has passed. A CNN reports, quote, without a gift from the North Korean regime, U.S. officials are puzzled why Kim Jong-un chose not to conduct a weapons test so far. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Charles Ellison is here and Lester Munson is here as well. The North Koreans, Lester, I mean, for your work in in foreign policy, what were they thinking when they said they have this Christmas gift? That's what they called it. And then no word.
4: Well, maybe Kim Jong-un is uh, orthodox and he's waiting until January (laughs) 7th to celebrate Christmas. Uh, It's possible. It's possible. That may be the Juche way to do things.
2: You know, very interesting.
4: Yeah, he definitely keeps us on our toes.
2: Definitely keeps us on our toes. A uh, headline in the Hill newspaper, North Korea keeps world on edge with promised gift to the mm-hmm. U.S. Rebecca Keel at the Hill reporting North Korea's yet to materialize threat of a Christmas gift for the United States is keeping the world on edge. Christmas came and went with no indication of military action or even fiery rhetoric from North Korea. And if that wasn't enough, just some geopolitical chess pieces to keep tabs over – our colleague Jihei Lee reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal that days before a troop funding deal was set to expire, the U.S. has dropped its demand that South Korea pay five times more to host its military personnel after receiving assurances from Seoul that Seoul would purchase more American weapons, according to a South Korean newspaper. So the Trump administration likely eased up after South Korea indicated it's going to step up its presence in the Strait of Hormuz. And that seemingly suggests Charles... Some chess pieces
3: moving. Definitely some chess pieces moving on North Korea. Two theories there. One, North Korea trying to find a way maybe to inject itself in those trilateral discussions that yeah. were taking place recently between China, South Korea, and also Japan on trade and also intelligence sharing, military positioning. Also, the North Koreans, you know, just trying to sort of keep themselves relevant uh, and to show that, hey, I can still, Kim Jong un showing that, hey, I can still outsmart Trump. Uh, Trump, as far as this, recent pressure on South Korea I he's been good I think for the defense contracting industry right because <laughs> I mean it's this is like what the second or third time that he sh- he shook down a particular or played you know this this very clever game with a particular country whether Saudi Arabia or Turkey and now South Korea enforcing them to buy US military product um, I, I think he's been very deft and very clever at that Turns out he's a good arms dealer. Right? Maybe it's, it's the <laughs> yeah. art of the Very arms dealer. Arms, yeah. Yeah. Right. He, he arms deal. yeah,
4: he he knows how to kind of change the uh, change the negotiating context and right. get these countries to buy more stuff from the U.S. Not bad for the U.S. economy. I mean, either. it's right.
2: so interesting when we when we look at North Korea and, and to both of your points, you can't look at it in a vacuum. You've got the the situation in, in terms of the negotiations with regards to troops from South Korea and the and the strait and the Strait of Hormuz, and then you have uh the China talks, and we just heard earlier from President Trump saying that there's no tariffs Lester no, that's what he says. I mean they haven't inked the deal until you know the dots dot the eyes cross the T's. but there were protesters that flooded Chinese malls, Hong Kong protesters flooding the malls uh, over the over the holiday with regard to the protests and and I just think if you're if you're Chinese president Xi Jinping Lester you've got to keep careful tabs on what's coming out of North Korea and rocket man as president trump calls him because that puts pressure on president trump and so much of north korea is and and really the the trade going out of north korea and into it is rooted in china so it's just all i don't want to conflate stories but it's all interconnected
4: well and and if you're if you're a congress watcher on foreign policy issues congress i think in both parties is to, is more conservative than the president on yeah. China issues, the president's clearly looking to cut a deal with China, which he's kind of half done to keep that stock market high and and the Dow's at an all-time high. So it appears to be working at least in that regard. But uh, both Democrats and Republicans on the Hill very critical of China on human rights and democracy issues. So and and this this latest kind of half deal was announced after Congress left. It's going to be very interesting to see when Congress comes back once they've kind of sorted out the impeachment madness. Where, what is Congress going to do about China policy? China is much more conservative than the president in both parties, I think, on that's, this issue.
2: That's a really interesting point. You mentioned the stock market. And we should note that uh, the tech rally sent the NASDAQ past 9,000 for the first time. That earlier today, gains in technology shares sent the NASDAQ composite index above 9,000 for the first time, gold advanced, and the dollar drifted lower in holiday-thinned trading. Amazon.com, Inc. was among the top equity performers after the e-commerce giant reported a quote-unquote record-breaking holiday season much more with the panel download the bloomberg sound on podcast on apple itunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the bloomberg business app you can also find us on radio.com iHeartRadio, and spotify i'm kevin cerilli hope everybody got some great gifts from santa you're listening to bloomberg 99.1
0: Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I am joined by Charles Ellison and Lester Munson. And there's, you know, lots of developments that we've been following all week. I, I want to talk about Boeing because there's some new developments uh, post Christmas developments with Boeing. The House Transportation Committee got their hands on uh, a treasure trove of documents with regards to Boeing's Max uh, airliner. And they – we don't know what the documents are, but reading from the Bloomberg Terminal, quote, a new batch of messages between Boeing employees on the development of the 737 MAX paints a, quote, very disturbing picture, end quote, of concerns about the plane, according to an aide to a House committee. The documents were turned over to the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, on Monday, the agency says in a statement. But the disclosure came the same day that Boeing ousted its chief executive. Wow. So you got Mullenberg out, you got David Calhoun taking over, and the same day you get these docs to the FAA. And we know from reports, from Bloomberg's reporting, from other outlets reporting, that you've got the the one of the main issues at play here was that Mullenberg didn't get along well with the FAA, which we know in this room is unheard of for the the CEO of Boeing not to get along with the FAA. I mean, that's really next to impossible. So now you've got David Calhoun stepping in with these new documents, Lester. I mean, wow. I mean, he might have to testify on his first week on the job.
4: Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough string of news for Boeing. Right. Their Starliner didn't quite make it to the International Space Station. Uh, they've been getting killed on the 737 Max news. Uh, they've got a they got a tough row ahead. Congress smells blood. That's never good, uh, and he needs to start getting along with people in the swamp uh, to to survive.
2: I mean, Charles, you, you look at how this plays out for Boeing. There's really nowhere to go but up.
3: Right. I mean, they're at the bottom. Uh, I mean, the other big kind of catastrophe for them is, you know, just sort of the, the leverage that Lockheed Martin has in the Defense Department I mean, with the former Lockheed Martin exec now, you know, kind of now overseeing the Pentagon Um, You know, and that's and also Lockheed Martin is the F-35, right? And so Boeing, where does that put Boeing if the F-35 is, you know, they're working out all the quirks with that and and all the procurement issues. So where does that leave Boeing as far as defense systems that is trying to get in front of the Pentagon? So I think that that's kind of the other kind of sort of. Untold story as far as Boeing's troubles, but um, who's going to be riding? Who's going to be going on board a 737 Max next year? I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to try to embrace my inner Mike Allen over at Axios. My inner Mike Allen over at Axios. Uh, Sounds smart because not only is there now, not only does Boeing get a new uh, a new CEO, but also, there's also a board opening, and so maybe they're going to name someone to that board who's I don't know a previous FAA official. Mm-hmm. And that would allow them to continue. So they've got two spots now to be able to try to, to smooth things over with the Federal Aviation Administration. Coming up, what's on the panel's radar? What's on my radar? I got to tell you, I'm still in, in a holiday haze. I don't know if you guys get like this. I'm exhausted. Watching my godson and my niece, my, my niece and nephew, one of my godson is uh, my nephew, open up gifts. It was like a hurricane. They've got more energy than anybody. And I got them a beanbag chair. I'm thinking they're never going to sleep. I mean, they got so many gifts. It was it was so much fun uh, back home for the holidays. Uh, and, and it was fun. I guess I can say now what I got them. I got them beanbag chairs. So I didn't ruin anyone's holiday. What was the best gift you gave Got Lester.
4: I gave my wife uh, throwing axes. She's what? very happy. Sure <laughs> about a, that? This was a clutch move on <laughs> my part. That. Are no, you no, okay? This, I'm telling you, you got to embrace it. <laughs> I, she's she real? She's into axe throwing. I wanna I wanna be her partner in that. And I got her some throwing <laughs> axes. Wait, and where do you even do practice? Really
2: well. Where do you practice axes?
4: You know, a couple houses away. There's a little uh, forest. We're gonna go in there and start. You know, see if we can hit the trees wow. with the axe.
2: That
3: right. is so nice. cool. So yeah. Wow. Okay. What about you? I got I got lots of shoes. My wife gave me lots of shoes, which okay. I like. I just I like different kinds sneakers of sneakers or yeah. dress yeah, shoes? I just or... like dress shoes, you know, like I'm just into that, you know. Wearing cool. wearing one pair now. I got like like six different pairs of good these. for you. Your were all yeah. Okay. you know what I got? <laughs> I was,
2: well, I got a new scarf which I have on. Literally yeah. right now it's a little cold in the studio. I got a scarf and I got Tupperware. All I wanted was Tupperware.
3: Yeah, there you and go. And a suitcase. I, didn't get
2: a, I got a suitcase because I'm going to be hitting the road a lot in the first quarter. All right. So I got to say, I think Axes wins that. Thanks. That, yeah. That's, that's Thanks. pretty okay, cool. Okay, I can't beat that. I'm Kevin Cirilli. <laughs> Ch- the axe thrower husband is going to stick around and Charles Ellison. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
2: I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guests are Charles Ellison, a veteran communication strategist, host of Reality Check on WURD Radio in Philadelphia and publisher of the Be BENote.com. Lester Munson also making his Bloomberg Radio Sound On debut. He's a principal at BGR Group and an adjunct faculty member at Johns Hopkins University and, of course, a veteran of foreign relations background serving in the Bush administration, Bush 43. And uh, also on Capitol Hill on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. All right. So we do this thing here where we – the last segment, what's on your radar, where you guys tell me one thing that's on your radar that maybe's in the news that's not getting – enough play or a deeper dive into another issue. So I will let Charles, you can go first. What's on your
3: radar? Right. You're going to definitely be watching very closely voter suppression Um, and and also combining that with election security because I think voter suppression is an election security issue and we saw these big purges of voter rolls take place uh, last week that were announced in Wisconsin and Georgia. Georgia now becoming um, a big battleground. Wisconsin was obviously a battleground, still will be. and we got to watch other states like Ohio very close I was talking to some folks in uh, Ohio about uh, you know how Ohio's kind of set the standard for a lot of the voter purging trends we're seeing right now. So that that's going to take a very so it's going to be about voter suppression and then what kind of turnout can uh, Democrats engineer because it's typically Republicans it seems who' are engineering all these voter suppression efforts but how do Democrats engineer the type of turnout that will counter that? Uh, so that I think that's I think that story has been been it's been reported on, but it hasn't been unpacked as deeply as it should be. I think it should be more in 2020.
2: So how do you how, how, where does it go in 2020? Because it's an issue that's not going away, especially in Georgia, especially as as. Democrats want to win Georgia. So where does it go from here? What's the next development in that issue?
3: I I think we're going to have to watch. uh, You know, I think the big development is how Democrats, once again, how Democrats counter. How do Democrats counter on the legal front? Um, And not just really Democrats. Let's make it not a partisan issue because it's not a partisan issue. This is really an American issue. This is about how a democracy is supposed to function. Uh, So we want to see, like, how does that whole universe of different Uh, Advocacy groups and nonprofits, how do they all react and respond to it? And, you know, will there be some Republicans who were, uh, you know, within the party who start pushing back against their leaders, the leaders of their party uh, in certain states like Georgia? Um, running this voter suppression franchise I think um, that will be a big development there I think that's that's where it has to go next uh, is is sort of internal pushback from Republicans themselves saying hey you know what we have to we, we have to ensure that these elections all these elections are open and transparent and they're completely fair you know we can't be you know rigging electoral processes or systems like this
2: interesting all right so that's what's on your radar Lester what's on your radar
4: Sanctions. Yes, Uh, Congress just passed the National Defense Authorization Act. It's a very exciting time for Congress. Every year they pass that. Uh, There's a bunch of provisions in that bill that included new sanctions, particularly on Russian energy facilities, namely pipelines, Nord Stream 2 pipeline, Turk Stream pipeline. Congress is very active in trying to shape national security issues, trying to shape U.S. foreign policy, and put putting the onus on the president to act and to do things that are going to counter Vladimir Putin in Europe, or at least that's their perception of what they're doing. And then there's another terrific issue of sanctions on Iran. There's a little noticed provision in the U.N. Security Council resolution that initially passed under the Obama administration that relieved a lot of the sanctions on Iran after the nuclear deal. Not all of those, the the U.S. has the ability to reimpose those multilateral sanctions if it chooses to do so. President Trump has not chosen to do that. There's a lot of pressure from very hardline, particularly Republicans on Capitol Hill, although some Democrats, to impose those multilateral sanctions on Iran. This is interesting.
2: All right, let's unpackage. Let's start with the latter first. All right, so the UN has this line in their in their uh, accord that gives the president permission to uh, to add. Basically, a t-
4: basically, the UN Security Council resolution that. Actualized the Iran nuclear deal that kind of paved the way for, Back the, in for Obama. international law to deal with this new nuclear deal about three or four years ago mm-hmm. under, under President Obama. Contained a provision that any one of the six of the, any one of the seven parties to the Iran nuclear deal, if they chose to reimpose sanctions, could activate uh, a provision under that resolution, under that UN Security Council resolution, that would facilitate all of the other countries reimposing multilateral sanctions on Iran. The Trump administration, of course, has imposed a bunch of of unilateral sanctions on Iran, U.S. sanctions. Europe has resisted that. But President Trump could really push Europe to the edge and compel them to impose their own sanctions on Iran if he chose to take this action.
2: But so far, we haven't seen that. So
4: far, we haven't seen it. Senator Ted Cruz, very active on this. He's held up a nominee, a guy named Steve Biegun, who I think is about to be sworn in as the deputy secretary Of state, and who could replace Mike Pompeo if he decides to leave to go run for Senate? Uh, So there's there's action on Capitol Hill about this. So Steve
2: Began, this is fascinating. Steve Began wants to get to have Europe reimpose sanctions on on Iran.
4: No, Senator Ted Cruz does, and he's willing to hold up actions in the Senate that would help the administration to get it done. In, in this case, he held up Began's nomination to get a memo out of the White House that explained their logic for their decisions on this multilateral sanctions issue. It's kind of the first shot on this battle about and it's Ted making Cruz. that's right. Ted Cruz. Kind of showing a little leadership on his part. If you agree with him, you think he's showing leadership. If you don't agree with him, you think he's being kind of a pain. But he's he's taking action, and I think the rest of the Senate's going to start to notice early next
2: year. Well, it's interesting because the whole argument of the Iran nuclear disarmament deal was that it would be it would be multilateral pressure against Iran to disarm themselves, and with the U.S. withdrawing from it where where do the other countries go and and they rely much more well they have much more economic ties stronger economic ties to 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 Iran than of course the United States does you said something else that I want to notice about and that's about the nord stream 2 in terms of sanctions with regard and, and how it, it pertains to the Nord Stream 2. Un- unpackage that for me.
4: So Nord Stream 2, uh, to a lesser extent Turk Stream, are pipelines that would provide energy resources, natural gas from Russia to Europe. Yeah. Congress mm-hmm. wants to shut down those operations and kind of push Russia away from Europe. The Europeans are all too happy to buy gas from the Russians. This is anathema to folks in Congress and both parties who want to take a really tough line on Russia. So the latest NDAA or National Defense Authorization Act imposes on Nord Stream two on this pipeline and may in fact shut it down.
2: Well, Russia saying within the last twenty four hours, according to the Kremlin, that they can build the Nord Stream two by themselves. Can That's they? Right.
4: We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. Gonna find I mean, but that's
2: out. huge. I mean, if you've been following this energy issue, uh, mm-hmm. for for Russia to come out and say that they can do this without any contractors, that they can build it by themselves, would would really be it's
3: like Crimea-like almost. A, 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 you could
2: argue, <laughs> yeah. and they just built that bridge to like the Tri- they literally yeah. built a bridge to Crimea as well. I mean, yeah. it's it's the
3: Russians are masters at annexation.
4: They're they're yeah. very cost effective in the yeah. way they kind of undermine our national security interests. I gotta say right. they're they're they play a weak hand very well. Wow. It's
2: it's it's yeah you know that's a, all right. So two very good radars. Here's what's on my radar: Bernie Sanders. And I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks. Senator Bernie Sanders has been without question one of the most consistent candidates in the Democratic field. Whether you think he's a socialist in a good way or a bad way, and he is consistently polling at number two, and many I mean when we started this process he was written off I mean there's no other way to put it especially by the Democratic Party establishment for him to be consistent and to be polling above now by about six to seven percentage points on average in Iowa in New Hampshire nationally above Senator Elizabeth Warren and for Senator Elizabeth Warren to be targeting Pete Buttigieg and not Bernie Sanders shows one loyalty from the the Sanders supporters to Bernie Sanders and two we talked about it, but I think now it's 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 able to be more illustrated. Elizabeth Warren's supporters are not necessarily Bernie Sanders supporters. They're more highly educated, white, tending to be white, and that's the same demographic that Buttigieg is also targeting. Bernie's supporters have been with him for years, and so that Politico story out today—go read it. It's a great read. I'm going to plug it uh, for for this story by Holly. Otterbein and David Siders. Yeah. The headline: Democratic insiders, Bernie could win the nomination. Probably Buckle
3: Philly, up, Philly, alone. Yeah. Philly Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He's, oh, he's on, oh I got to I tell you, just I, I, the the headline at the Delco Times the other day. I mean, when I was home, I always read the Delco Times. But anyway, there's a funeral parlor back home that they got in trouble with the feds because they were peddling. They were. Stealing money. Yeah. Can't make it up. All right. Well, thanks. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this yet. show. But you I'm telling you, you mentioned home, and I go right back there, Charles. <laughs> Did you guys hard. have fun, Charles? Yeah. Oh, Did you have a good time? You'll come thanks, back, Kevin. Lester? You're coming Absolutely. back? This was awesome. I want Bono stories, Lester. I want Bono. <laughs> I promise so, him. Next all time, Bono and stories. Axe stories. All right. That does it for me. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.